Hello and welcome all listeners to Xavier Newswire Live, the radio show that will catch you up on all the Xavier news from Ledgewood Drive to Dana Avenue and beyond. Today is February 8th and we are bringing this show to you live on XUFM. I'm David Ludwig. And I'm Erin Albright. And in this episode of Newswire Live, you'll get to hear the Newswire multimedia crew bring you the rundown on SGA's executive plans for this semester, Chloe's campus catch-up, the feature and discussion on the Super Bowl halftime show, everything from the commercials to the halftime to popular bets, uh, and as always, we'll round it out with some hot takes. Uh, we will have phone lines open today. Just call in and give us your thoughts. Now I'm going to turn it over to our managing multimedia editor, Hunter Ellis. Take it away, Hunter. Hello, everyone, and, and thanks, David. I'm glad to be here once again. Uh, as we have been for the past few weeks, we've been updating our listeners on the status of COVID-19 on Xavier's campus. And today I was able to sit down with chair of the task force, Jeff Coleman, for another update moving into our second semester. So here's what Mr. Coleman had to say. Xavier has seen a significant increase in positive cases compared to last semester, currently peaking at over 60 cases in the first week of February. Jeff Coleman, the chair of the COVID-19 task force, said that the uptick was anticipated. Weather, uh, driving more indoor activity, uh, we thought would, would make our cases uh, go up compared to the fall semester. And then the last piece is the more contagious variant of the virus that's um, starting to appear. So factoring in those three things, we were anticipating higher numbers um, certainly at the beginning of the semester, and probably remaining elevated throughout the semester. Coleman went on to say that what the task force has found from last semester, and what they're seeing continued in the trends in this semester, is that there's a weekly pattern that you could almost go to the bank with. He said that you'll see the numbers start to spike up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from the previous weekend's activities. But then you'll start to see a decline, typically Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, moving into a new week. Coleman explains that the task force best guess for this data is that student gatherings during the weekend result directly in increases of cases a few days later as students begin to feel their COVID symptoms. Moreover, a majority of these cases are among members of social circles and athletic teams. Currently, the task force has not noticed any trends in specific dorms or grade levels. Coleman noted that the commuter students have a 60% higher rate of transmission than residential students on campus. These numbers are reflected in the number of COVID-19 cases from last week. As of Sunday, 47 students and five employees have active positive cases in the Xavier community. This is down from over 60 cases earlier in the week. The good news is, um, compared to last semester, we have more space available for students. Uh, we've identified more st more space on campus for quarantine and isolation, and a lot more space in the hotel for quarantine and isolation. So, last semester, that was our, our big concern was our, our space availability. This semester, we feel like we've addressed that. We have much more space available. Coleman went on to say that the task force has experienced no real surprises at this point in the semester. I, I don't foresee a situation where that would happen. If you look at our on-campus space, we have 66 beds between the Manor and University Apartments available for isolation. 
and we have an additional 10 or so units that have been freed up from last semester that we could use for um, isolation if we needed to. Um, in addition, um, for the quarantine, uh, if students, uh, for example, if a group of four roommates um, were considered close contacts, we would allow them to quarantine within their, their existing dorm space right. for the 10 day period. Um, but the, the big change for us has been the, the hotel. Um, last semester, we could only use the hotel for students that were in, considered close contacts and in quarantine and who had been tested. Now the hotel has opened it up to where um, the students uh, do not need to be tested um, to go into quarantine at the hotel. And they will accept students who um, have tested positive but are either asymptomatic or showing only mild symptoms. So really with, with that, that was a game changer for us because that opens up uh, you know, almost an unlimited number of rooms for us to use. Therefore, Coleman said that there's no reason to believe that students will go home at any points during the semester or have to take a break and only have virtual classes, as we've seen reflected in some other college communities across the nation. But you, you never know what, what could happen. But it's hard for me to envision a situation where we had a huge surge on campus or in the area, and it made sense to send students home. That would be a, seem to be a riskier move. You know, sending students across the country. And given our, our safety record in the classroom, it's hard for me to envision a situation where we said it doesn't make sense to go to, go to class, you know, because that's the safest place on campus. And Coleman stated that he's optimistic that Xavier's policies have been working and therefore believes that classrooms are the safest space on campus because that there have been no reports of spread between students or faculty in the classroom. Surveillance testing also began last week. 30 to 40 students are being tested based on random selection each week. And according to Coleman, so far after one week, the feedback from this process has been overwhelmingly positive. Outside of the direct Xavier community, the numbers in Hamilton County are all trending downward, which is another positive sign, according to Coleman. Following the holidays, Hamilton County were in the purple, or the most severe range for transmission of COVID-19. Since then, the county has moved into the lower red range, and the 10 p.m. curfew had been moved back to 11, maybe lifted completely soon. However, there are a total of 594 students that have tested positive on campus in total since the beginning of the fall 2020 semester. But positive signs are that no students have been hospitalized as of yet, and to continue to monitor the spread of COVID-19 on campus, the task force continues to meet daily, and the number of students who have been affected will continue to grow as the year goes on. So if there are any students who may be feeling the adverse effects after COVID, Coleman recommends that you visit the COVID-19 Resource Center on Xavier's website, where they can find necessary physical and mental resources. That's all for the COVID-19 update today. I'm going to send it back to David and Aaron here in the studio. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Hunter, for that wonderful, wonderful update. Uh, now we'd like to bring it to our very own campus correspondent. It is Chloe Salveson with her weekly campus update. Thanks, David. Okay, so first up, we have the University Libraries Maker Monday, Valentine edition, is available until this Thursday. 
Using their advanced card-making machines, the Eliasson die cut cutter, you can create an unforgettable card for your Valentine. Drop in any time during 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. until Thursday. All materials are free of charge. Next Monday, from 4.30 to 5.45 p.m. on Zoom, social psychologist Deb Mashek, Mashek, excuse me, so sorry, will speak on being comfortable with discomfort, why and how to pursue difficult conversations in the classroom. This, will ta this talk will be followed by a panel discussion and a period for questions from the audience. You can register at this email address, ers at xavier.edu. The virtual spring career fair is scheduled for Tuesday, February 23rd from 2 to 5 p.m. on Handshake. More than 90 organizations are participating in order to share information about internships, jobs, graduate programs, and post-grad service opportunities. Visit the virtual spring career fair website for full event details. There are upcoming study abroad info sessions that will take place in the next couple of weeks. You can RSVP on EngageXU in order to receive Zoom links. And lastly, peer support volunteers provide confidential trauma-informed support services for student survivors of power-based violence. In-person Zoom and chat services are offered. Days and hours vary, so follow the Instagram account at PeerSupportXU or email Susan Pelly for more information. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now have a short intermission. We're just bringing a short and sweet show to you tonight, and we will be back with everything Super Bowl. So, see you there. Welcome back. If you have any thoughts or feedback for the Newswire Multimedia crew, send them to our email, saveyournewswire at gmail.com. You can find Newswire live episodes and other content on our YouTube. Search Xavier Newswire to find our channel. This is the weekly COVID-19 campus update. Every week, the Newswire Live will be updating listeners on the status of COVID-19 on campus. As of February 8th, there are a total of 52 cases in the Xavier community. Five employees, 27 students isolated on campus, and 20 isolated off campus. As of February 4th, there were 39 students, so we have upped our cases. Thank you very much, Aaron. Uh, so now to round out the show, we've got a whole little camaraderie going around the table. We have Griffin, we have Joseph, we have Chloe, and we are going to be talking everything Super Bowl. This is going to be a little bit of a fusion between hot takes and an article. So, Griffin, uh, why don't you start us off with the article? Uh, just a reminder, listeners, the phones are active, so call in and offer your thoughts. Griffin, take us away. Thank you so much. You know, for years, the Super Bowl commercials have captivated the hearts of people who don't really understand sports and never really loved who was performing at the halftime. So that's basically me. Super Bowl ads have made me laugh and they've made me cry, but this year they just kind of made me shrug and make a face that reads, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. 
an all-around cavalcade of lacklusterness, it's clear that the once-coveted Super Bowl ad reached its peak when a puppy and a horse became best friends for a Budweiser ad. Although most failed, there were still a few decent advertisements worthy of a commercial break, so allow me to briefly run down my top five best Super Bowl 55 ads. At number five, we have the classic Doritos ad. Doritos has always been a powerhouse for Super Bowl ads, and although this year they joined together just to make a Lay's in general ad, I was still a big fan. It featured a bunch of previous football stars in onesies having a little sleepover. Now, I don't know any of them, because as I previously stated, I know nothing about sports, but the sight of an old man crashing through a solid oak coffee table really got me chuckling. At number four, M&M's. A delightful little morsel of chocolate and a surprising contender for this list. Featuring a host of characters apologizing for their actions by gifting a bag of M&M's, this commercial mostly ends up on this list for two reasons. One, a big-time corporation made a Karen joke that was somewhat funny. And two, I'm a sucker for Daniel Levy, and he has a little date with green and brown M&M, aka the best M&Ms, while admitting his plans of devouring red M&M, who is the cockiest and therefore the worst M&M. At number three, three words for ya. Yeah, eat local. Those words were exclaimed by pop sensation Cardi B in the Wayne's World-themed Uber Eats ad. Now, Wayne's World x Cardi B x Uber Eats shouldn't work, but it does and rather too well, may I add. The TikTok reference did slightly make me shake my head, but the overall bizarreness of the idea left a smile on my face, and in the end of the day, that's what really matters. Number two, whether you love him, hate him, or have him at the top of your eat the rich list, the one good thing you can say about Jeff Bezos this year is that his company made a damn fine Amazon Alexa advertisement. The passion, the yearning, the sweet temptations of that woman wanting to make beautiful love with Michael B. Jordan Alexa, something truly touching. It's like when they tried to make Mr. Clean a sex icon a couple years back, but done right. A couple points off though, because as devilishly charming as he is, Michael does seem to be just a tad uncomfortable, and he deserves the world. And now, I'm very proud to announce my number one spot for best Super Bowl ad, Miller Lite. This might be cheating a little, technically. In case you hadn't heard, Miller Lite didn't actually have a TV spot this year. Instead, their low-calorie competitor, Michelob Ultra, got the coveted spot. That didn't stop Miller Lite, however. Miller Lite campaigned across Twitter and other platforms that Michelob Ultra would not have the last laugh by offering fans an exclusive website to log onto to win a free beer. The catch? The website had to be accessed during Michelob Ultra's ad at the Super Bowl. Oh, and the website's URL is crazy long. Like, full paragraph long. Like www this Miller Lite marketing stunt will distract you from ultrasbigad.com long. And that is just the first sentence. And it had to be typed out completely correctly, no copy and paste. The pettiness is through the roof with this stunt, and from what I can tell, fans have been receiving money through Venmo from the company itself to buy themselves a refreshing Miller Lite. So despite having no airtime themselves, Miller Lite managed to accomplish their goals of squandering their, their competitor's biggest accomplishment all the while leaving a lasting impact on Super Bowl commercials forever. Crack open a nice cold one, Miller Lite. You've deserved your spot at the top. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Thank you for that, uh, Griffin. Um, wow. That, that's incredibly petty, and I love that. <laughs> um, so I have to be curious then. Uh, 
as evidenced by your first sentence in the article, is your is your all time favorite Super Bowl ad the Budweiser puppy and horse becoming friends? That's my favorite emotional ad, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess my favorite all-time ad is probably the Doritos one where the man fakes his own death and buries himself alive with a <laughs> lifetime supply of Doritos. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I remember that one. Doritos has some good ones. Doritos has some good Super Bowl ads. Um, I want to go around the table. I want to hear your all's thoughts on Super Bowl ads this year. Uh, up to par, a little worse, a little better. Just what's the what's the general thoughts here? Aaron, why don't we start with you? I thought they were kind of mediocre. You know, I didn't really laugh at too many of them. Um, I guess Drake from State Farm was pretty cool. You know, I love Drake, and I loved, like, a different twist on the Jake from State Farm idea. All right. Uh, Chloe? I have to agree with Aaron. I didn't even crack a smile on a single one. Wow. Very, very disappointing in my case. Joseph? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have much... N- you know, stick out to me. I yeah, I thought they were really boring. Um, some celebrity cameos were good, others mm-hmm. were not so good. Um, and I, I don't know why there were so many this year. It, it yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't think they were super anything this year. You know, I thought it was like a cavalcade of funny-ish ads that are maybe more entertaining than normal. But I didn't think it was anything special. I will say though, I will say though. I was disappointed at the Paramount getting a streaming service now. Like, I know Disney Plus is a thing, and that's the way that everyone's going now. But Paramount? I mean, come on. Hunter, what do you think? I know you're looking at me like you want to offer your two cents. I wouldn't necessarily say that any of them blew me away with being super funny, Mm -hmm. but there was this one commercial that was about, I think it was like oat milk or something. It was a guy sitting at a piano and it had my sweet mate dying (laughs) laughing, not necessarily because it was funny or anything. It was just so stupid and so ridiculous. No, I remember that. So, you know, it's, it's memorable. And I think for a product that I've never heard of, it at least got me talking about it, which, isn't that the goal of some of these stupid commercials? We, so like, we were having a conversation about that last night, because uh, so, in Brackman, we were having one of our, like, social events we were just gonna be like, okay, you can drop in, watch the Super Bowl for a little bit, grab some snacks and whatever, and uh, it was a bunch of the RAs that were doing, like, the program together, and Luke, who is a marketing major, was talking about that because I remember one of us were talking about an ad that, like, totally didn't make sense. I don't think it was the oat milk one. I think it was something completely different. But we were talking about it, and, like, uh, my Adam said something about, like, oh, this is so weird. It doesn't make any sense. And Luke's like, but you're talking about it. And isn't that, yeah, I, was, I, think, I think it's smart. I think that's, like, the value of shock advertising, but... <laughs> Although the one true marketing win that we have to talk about today Go on. is the fact that the NFL made $4.5 million on wow. cardboard cutouts yes. during the Super Bowl. Did anyone else see the Bud Knight sitting somewhere in the stands? Because I saw him. He was chilling there. No, but if you think about it, so they announced that there, was, there were 25,000 fans in mm-hmm. attendance. And... Given that Raymond James Stadium, where it was held in Tampa Bay, yes. can seat up to 65, that's 30,000 cardboard cutouts that filled the remaining seats, which they said went for $100 a piece, I think. It was either 100 or 1000 It one of the wasn't two. cheap. But just adding up the amount of money that, that you could make 
was ridiculous from that. So shout out to you, NFL, for making the most money on marketing here. Oh, and I would be remiss to not mention that my mother is texting me frantically saying that her favorites were the David Diggs and Sesame Street uh, DoorDash ads, which I did think was pretty great. Um, so I know we were talking about this a little bit more uh, earlier before the show started, and I, I'd hate to bring controversy to the table during hot takes, but what's everyone's thoughts on the halftime show? <laughs> I see many different reactions Listen, around the table. A lot of sighs. People really want to hate on Coldplay and Maroon 5's <laughs> halftime show, but they were way better than The Weeknd's. Let me just... There's my, there's okay. my hot take okay. for them now. Okay. Okay. Now listen, there was one performance during the Super Bowl halftime show that was even somewhat interesting, mm-hmm. and it was Blinding Lights when The Weeknd came down onto the field. That was cool, and I enjoyed that. I did like that. Yes. The one with all the weird masks, where it looked like they all had facial surgery from Goodnight Mommy. There's meaning behind it. There's the, so no, the it was, What's the meaning? You know what, guys? It, you have Google. It was, it was <laughs> I thought you were going to Jordan Peele. So, sorry, I need to explain. Yes, it looked like us. But I need to explain that Aaron, before the show, said... Oh, yeah, there's meaning behind it. I'll explain it in hot takes. I just don't want to ruin it. So now you can't take it back. Please, please explain to all of us at the table. It's about how The Weeknd was trying not to let fame affect him throughout his career. And the purpose of being in the mirror and running around was like being blinded by the light. But that was a different song. Yeah, that was a different song. I I thought the masks were just like plastic surgery. (laughs) I thought that, well, I thought the masks originally was like, because they first came on during I Can't, when he was singing I Can't Feel My Face. So it was like, oh, it's like a one-off song thing. But no, they were there to stay. Uh. (laughs) I'm just saying, I I don't know that you've succeeded for a halftime show when the only thing my friend had to say about the entire performance was, and I quote, he really likes that red coat of his, doesn't he? The red coat looked good, though. The red coat looked fantastic. It looked good. Yeah, it it looked looked great on all of those dancers that were down there. How many were on the field? Quite a few. There was a lot. Okay, so well, stand to, out. Joseph, yes. You, yeah, you've to, been a little quiet. To offer a counterpoint, I I enjoyed the change of pace in it. I feel mm-hmm. like halftime shows are always like way too blown out, and so I, I kind of appreciated just a little bit of, you know, just the weekend vibing. I'm a big weekend fan, so yeah. I mean, I will say I probably would have liked anything yeah. he did. I will say one thing I did appreciate about the show. Is that they? He put a lot of his own money into it. Um, Seven million. Yeah, because they they gave him a budget, uh, but everything he wanted to do, they wouldn't be covered in the budget. So he actually put a lot of his own money into creating the show he wanted. And I'll say I will respect him for that. I I I you know, if you want to do something like he really did what he wanted to do and spent his own resources, and I respect him for that. Now, I respect that too, but I bet he spent $7 million just on those dancers. <laughs> I mean, but I don't know. I just wanted to watch the Super Bowl halftime show for my enjoyment. And mm-hmm. okay, it was it was okay. I mean, uh-huh. I, I guess I you know kind of hummed along with the songs, whatever. But I didn't appreciate getting made incredibly dizzy either. That was, yeah, that was a lot of people's complaints. I didn't appreciate that all he did was just walk around. Like, he just went in and out of the stands and then went to the field for the last song, and true, true. that was about it. What I'm not saying he's not a talented say. performer. I'm just saying yeah. all he did was walk around. The singing was good. The singing I was good. I have said it once. I'll say it a million times yes, because I'm very heated about this. I'm just glad that they got someone that is actually currently relevant because last year's Super Bowl true. performance 
made me so angry. Who was it again? Shirtless Adam Levine. That was two years ago, wasn't it? That was two years ago? Yeah. Well, Shakira. 2019, because Stephen Hill. I don't know. Shakira, Shakira? Shakira was last. Was. <laughs> I thought Shakira was with Adam Levine. Jennifer no, no, Lopez no, no, no. was two, with Adam. Two years ago, it was Adam Levine and Travis Scott. Oh, God. Yeah. How do you know that off the top of your head? Because that was the year Steven Hillenberg died. Uh, and and they, they were, they, like, there was that big thing about doing Sweet Victory. Oh, and we have a call. No, I'm checking my phone. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, Aaron, you also mentioned that there were some bets uh, that you wanted to talk about on show. Um, yes, let me pull those up one moment. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the prop bets. Yes. So it looks like people thought the color of the Gatorade that would most likely be poured on the winning coach was purple and least likely was orange. Does anyone actually know what the color was? Because that is not, not here. <laughs> I would have imagined orange. I feel like purple is a terrible bet. Really? Like, Purple Gatorade, like, I don't even know what the flavor of that is. Like, that's, orange? that's grape. It's like it's a bunch grape. of the different grape. Well, no, because grapes is like a dark blue for Gatorade. Purple is just like some, like, fruity fruity taste. I don't know. I feel like red and orange. It says like glacier or frost yes. or rain, ice. They don't actually have any specific flavors. I mean, all the purple ones are pretty gross. I would have right? put so like much money on orange. I feel like it's a really? classic flavor, and it's the one you always see being poured on coaches. So... Mm. I always see, like, yellow, really. Yellow or red. Yeah, the lime green one's pretty standard, too. Yeah, yeah, the lemon. I like lemon lime Gatorade, actually. I, I like one the, year, I, I just it. want to see some love be given to my white glacier cherry yeah. Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> also, everyone, I'd like to just give a quick update. So the Gatorade color, yes, which was dumped on Bruce Arians, the mm-hmm. winning coach, was blue. Okay. Oh, wow. So the purple was close. It was close. But no cigar. Um, was it what flavor was it though? Was it grape flavor? <laughs> it could have been some of the blue. Does so the many coach different taste it flavors. when it's being poured on him? Yeah, like, these are the real questions. Gatorade kind of just covers the entire cool color spectrum between green and purple. Well, what we really learned is that Gatorade has a lot of good flavors. Yes, yes, that's, that's yes, the real thing. Absolutely, just bringing it back. Yeah. Um, okay, what about the coin toss? What was the bets on the coin toss? It was actually exactly the same. Really? Heads or tails. And obviously it was heads. I know, yeah. we saw that. Parents won four bucks. Yay! Okay, so here's what I want to know, everyone. <laughs> if you're going to place a bet, like a prop bet, like these fun prop bets that we're talking about yeah. for the Super Bowl, why would you place it on a 50-50 coin toss? Because it's actually <laughs> the most likely, honestly. It's a pretty safe Ooh. bet. It's a pretty safe bet. I'd say Tom Brady throwing three touchdowns in the Super Bowl was a pretty safe bet. If we want to talk about uh, Mr. Greatest of All Time well, right it's now. easy when the ball's deflated. Ooh. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of Tom Brady fans in this room, and I may have just sealed my doom. <laughs> He's the greatest of all time. He proved it. It's not about the team. It's just mm-hmm. about your personal skill. Is he okay, going on cool. another year? <laughs> uh, were there any other popular bets, though? Uh, just Thanks, on David. anything happening on the game. Here's one that Griffin can help us out with. Ooh. Um, they said it would be more likely that an M&M spokes candy would be wearing a mask. Was that true? Uh, no, it was not. Um, in wow. fact, no one in the commercial was wearing a mask. Wow. So that wow. defeats another bet that they everyone would be wearing masks. All right. Thanks, Griffin. Of course. <laughs> uh, I know there were some about just uh, whoever would 
make touchdowns. Did anyone place bets on, like... Because uh, I know my parents had something on that Gronkowski would make a touchdown. Did anyone have anything like that? No? I put my entire life savings <laughs> on, on Tom Brady having a rushing touchdown, and it didn't yeah? happen. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a little, sorry. I'm a little down bad. Was he close? No. No? No. No. Not at all. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, any other final closing thoughts on the Super Bowl? Was it... Was it satisfying? Was the Super Bowl sat- satisfying for y'all? For or... me, it was because, well, for the third time, I'm not mm-hmm. a sp- sports person. I pick all my, I pick all of this based off of which who I think would win in a fight between the two mascots. I Big pirate it. fan, so I was very satisfied to hear that the Buccaneers mm. crushed the Chiefs. So, mm-hmm. anyone else? Anyone else? Un- unsatisfied, satisfied, liked it, loved it, hated I it. I feel like this year's Super Bowl was just as good as 2020. It was mediocre, things were going up and down, but no one really cared. Just washed past. Fair enough. What are, what are our thoughts on the teams that were in it? Hunter. <laughs> Hunter's leaning in. Big football fan. As a Patriots fan... <laughs> It was mixed emotions. Let me just let me just get that out of the way. Okay. I got to support my my guy Tom Brady, of course, but um, would have wished it was in the the famous Super Bowl white and blue and silver. I suppose, although, I mean, we did get different away jerseys this year, so it wouldn't have been white and silver and blue. It would have been, I don't know, like white and red and blue. But you know, <laughs> you get my point. I would have liked to see the Patriots there, um, but go Tom Brady. You know, good for yeah. him. Uh, Yes, Fournette, Fournette uh, one of the running backs on the uh, the Bucks, he deserves a raise. Really? Like, he could just, like, no one could handle him. Mm-hmm. He was just having his way. Although, so. to be fair, I mean, he was released, like, what, at the beginning or, like, a couple weeks into the season? So, like, he just kind of got picked up and just, you know, got to pick whatever team in free agency he wanted to go to, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the Bucks. What a, what a lucky choice, you know? Well, I mean... You know, you get an opportunity, you make the most of it. So I was glad to see him. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, listeners, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today in this episode of Newswire Live. Thank you very much for tuning into the show today. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns for the Newswire multimedia crew, send them over to our email at Xavier Newswire Live. Or, sorry, uh, Xavier Newswire at gmail.com. We'd like to give a special thanks to Carolyn Youngquist, a senior music education major here at Xavier, who produced the music you heard in today's show, as well as Raphael Crooks for his beautiful song Inspiration, which you heard in our intermission. At this time, we would also like to give a shout out to our staff and guests who helped make this episode possible. Thank you very much to the Newswire uh, multimedia editor, Hunter Ellis, the Newswire editor-in-chief, Heather Gast, the Newswire managing editor, Alex Budzinski, our co-host, Aaron Albright, the campus correspondent, Chloe Salveson, and our guests for today, Griffin Brammer and Joseph Cotton, who is officially a friend of the show as he has been here more than three episodes. Yay! Uh, always love to have you here, Joseph. Uh, you can find full Newswire live episodes and other segments on YouTube if you mich- missed them. Just search Xavier Newswire to find our channel. But, of course, we'd love to have you live, so don't miss our next episode, which is, as always, Monday at 7 p.m. Hunter has something to say. Yeah, just a quick shout-out, too. We appreciate all of our guests being here in person. And listeners out there, great of you to turn out. We have an active chat member here. I just wanted to, to give you a shout-out. Um, honestly, I have no idea how to say our username, but it's um, D-Y-L-S-C-H. 
So thanks for being here. And Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> yes, Dylan. Okay, chat member. And we just wanted to, to shout out your comment here. So Dylan says, let me, let me pull the mic closer here. Tom Brady is undoubtedly the GOAT, but didn't deserve the MVP. Ooh. I know. Now we're getting into a hot take. Like, okay, oh, we're guys, wrapping up the show. Hold on. We're wrapping up the show. We right can't now. go into this. <laughs> but nonetheless... Um, Said it should have gone to Shaq Barrett or Devin White, some two uh, two linebackers for the Bucks defense. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So uh, yeah, just wanted to shout out that comment. Thanks for thanks for being a part, listening to the show, and we're we're glad to to hear your feedback and your hot takes for the day. Uh, but yes, uh, we'd love to have you all live again. So our episodes, as usual, are next Monday at seven p.m. And one last surprise announcement. If you can't get enough of Newswire Live, if you want to hear the beautiful people in here speak some more, we are launching a new show uh, that is currently titled Debate and Discussion, uh, which will be pre-recorded, and it will be on YouTube. Yeah, Hunter? Yeah, we'll be releasing on YouTube. We'll be broadcasting on Wednesdays at 7. This week, we're, we're doing a little trial episode, but you could expect the pilot next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, so all of you look out for that. It's hosted by some different people. We've got some different folks in different positions. I'm super excited to listen to it, and you should be as well. But until next time, this is David Ludwig. And I'm Aaron Albright. Wishing you a happy Monday evening and reminding you never to poke bears and signing off. <laughs>